Welcome back to the 49th episode of the Daily Flip Podcast. I'm your host, Alex, and today we're going to be flipping through some of the top stories, including two that talk about Arizona and the battle that's going on for the border. And then our final article is going to talk about Artemis 1, the unmanned moon orbit mission that NASA most recently did, and the implications of the future of space travel. And then, of course, we'll end today with our daily delight, a story meant to leave you feeling positive and ready to take on the day. Now, that's enough rambling for me. Let's get into our daily debate. So, gotta ask, and I want some comments down in the comment section. What do you see as the correct solution to our border problem in the United States? And to be honest, I should probably ask first, do you actually see it as a problem? But no matter which side of the issue you come down on, or no matter which side of the border you come down on, ha ha ha, you cannot deny that the number of people crossing the southern border is kind of concerning. But again, I ask, how should we address it? How should we go about changing the current situation? Should we get rid of certain incentives? Should we make it harder to cross? Should we make it easier to become a citizen legally? These are all different solutions I've heard. And I want to hear a nice little amalgamation of them down in the comment section. I love reading what people have to say when they post something. All right, so let's jump into our first article from HuffPost. Arizona governor still pushing shipping container border wall along U.S.-Mexico border. Quote, Arizona's outgoing governor, Doug Ducey, has spent months ordering work crews to erect shipping containers along the state's southern border with Mexico in defiance of the federal government, end quote. So, you know, this is a pretty interesting solution. To be honest, I hadn't seen much coverage about this. I had heard a few rumblings here or there, but I hadn't actually read anything, mainly because, you know, I saw it as a kind of a hoax. You know, at the end of the day, it could be a big talking point. And when I say hoax, I don't mean, oh, it's not happening. I mean, at the end of the day, it's something that Doug Ducey is doing that probably is not going to have a huge effect, but it stirs up the conversation and it plays to his base. And, you know... I think that it looks absolutely horrific. And there are very obvious flaws, such as the gaping holes between the crates that you can see in some photos. And in other photos, they've put metal sheets there that they've welded to it, but they're only one container high. And to be honest, not saying that shipping containers are easy to climb, but if you have two of them on top of each other, that's about 17 feet high. All it takes is someone who has really good grip strength, and they can hold on to that middle section, find a few flaws in the metal, and get on top pretty easily. Now, then again, it's going to dissuade the people who don't necessarily want to get over the border too hastily. They'll walk around, and maybe you can have officers patrolling the ends of the wall so that it's less likely that people will go around it. But the really motivated individuals... They'll climb on top, no problem whatsoever. But I do think that at least, or it should be pointed out and should be talked about, that at least Ducey is doing something. At least he's trying to 
put in place some sort of wall that will, at the end of the day, probably help limit some people who are not as motivated to get across. And, you know, I say that as a, a person who understands a good amount of the, the border situation and understands the conversation and the deeper values conversation that's behind it. It's not simply do we want people to cross into the U.S. illegally. It's do we want the American system to be influenced by outside countries and allow these other value systems into the country. That's the underlying value conversation. And I think at least Doug Ducey doing something and standing up, and even though it is a stunt for sure, at least he's trying to draw attention to the issues. Now, could he do it in a better way, a more tactful way? Could he make a better wall than shipping containers? Sure. But this was probably the most outrageous, most outlandish way that he could do it and also get a whole bunch of media coverage for it. And obviously it's working because guess what? The HuffPost is writing about it, and I'm talking about it right now. So, you know, and also it, it kind of plays to his base. At the end of the day, his supporters want to see something being done, and they can look at this giant multicolored shipping container wall as a little bit of progress, or at least, like I said, oh, at least Doug Ducey's doing something, even though at the end of the day it's probably not going to have that great of an effect on overall border crossings. Quote, the Associated Press reported Sunday that Ducey, who is set to leave office due to term limits in January, first directed Cruz to close the gap in former President Donald Trump's border wall in August. Ducey issued an executive order to begin construction, and the state initially spent $6 million erecting a double-height barrier of containers in Yuma, Arizona filling in about 3,800 feet of the border, end quote. And, you know, to, to be honest, again, while this is a big accomplishment, it feels like a public stunt. You know, it's something that Ducey can show off to his base, like I was just talking about, it's something that allows him to bring national attention to the issues at the border. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but at the end of the day, it kind of reminds me of the stunt that Greg DeSant- sorry, Ron DeSantis pulled. And I understand that at the end of the day, it wasn't as bad as the media made it out to be. Oh, he's displacing migrants. He's sending them across the country. He's sending them to places that can't necessarily help them, that doesn't have the infrastructure, where they don't have family connections. I understand all of that. And I don't think that that's as big of an issue because at the end of the day, they chose to go there. They said, yes, we are willing to go to Martha's Vineyard. Yes, we're willing to go to D.C. So they had to make the choice to go. But it does feel like this kind of stunt that's meant to grab the headlines, make sure that it's relevant in people's minds. It shows that, oh, they're willing to do something. And at the end of the day, if you talk about Doug Ducey on the national stage, this is something that will be brought up. This will give him a little bit more extra name recognition. And I'm not saying that he's trying to run for higher office or anything like that. But you can't deny it definitely seems like the move of a governor who wants to be recognized on the national stage and show that he's willing to tackle these issues head on, even if it's in a way that's a little bit more crude and even if it gets him negative coverage in the media. So... The And the thing is, it definitely has gotten national media attention from news outlets to federal 
agencies and officials telling Ducey to stop misusing federal parkland to build his shipping container wall, which, by the way, has nearly costed Arizona $95 million so far. And it's about a 10-mile stretch of walls, just so we're clear. That goes about 17 feet high. Quote, the U.S. Forest Service ordered Arizona to stop building on national forest land, but Ducey sued in October, saying that the state had jurisdiction over the land to protect Arizonans. Quote, Arizona is going to do the job that Joe Biden refuses to do, secure the border in any way we can, Ducey said at the suit at the time. Quote, we're not backing down. Reporters who have seen the wall say the container barrier is far from perfect. Parts of it are topped with razor wire with bits of metal placed or welded between the gaps. But there are regular gaps where terrain is too steep to place them, and the wall is relatively climbable, though it is seven feet high, 17 feet high, end quote. And, you know, that's the other aspect of it. He's not just trying to get na- name recognition and draw attention to the issue. He's also trying to call out Joe Biden. He sees it as an opportunity to say, hey, you're, like he said, you're not doing anything. So we're going to step up. We're going to do it. And maybe it's a little bit of political maneuvering to get Joe Biden to care about the border or at least to talk about it. Because at the end of the day, it seems like Joe Biden dodges questions about the border, or at least from the clips I've seen, he'll dodge questions or he won't give the most forthright answer. And at the very beginning of his administration, he really left a lot of those issues to Kamala Harris to talk about publicly. So once again, Drawing more attention to this issue allows Doug Ducey, the Republicans, to call out Biden and make sure that it doesn't leave the voters' mind when they go into the election box next year, sorry, two years from now, and they have this running narrative that Joe Biden does not care about the border. He doesn't care about immigration. He's done nothing. And then you'll think about these really flashy headlines that, oh, remember the border wall that Ducey had to put up because Biden wasn't doing anything? So, you know, it's all a political stunt. It all, I'm not trying to be too cynical, but they all have deeper implications than just, hey, we need to protect Arizonans, which I am sure Doug Ducey, I'm not sure. I don't know his mind, but I would not be surprised if Doug Ducey actually believes what he's doing, just like Eric Adams in New York with his homeless policy actually believes what they're doing is good for the people of their city and for their state. But it also has some wider political implications that they're definitely not unaware of. And, of course, there has been pushback. Quote, work on part of the container wall has been stopped in recent days due to protests and threats from some local law enforcement that anyone placing containers would be arrested for illegal dumping. Governor-elect Katie Hobbs said that she is exploring all options when it comes to the container border barrier including repurposing them to shelter homeless or low-income people. While she was campaigning, Hobbs said the container strategy was a political stunt. Oh, wow. It's almost as if I'm towing the party line now and I hear all the narratives and I just believe it. Because, wow, we've heard that term political stunt so many times. Or it's just that obvious that it's a political stunt. I am very concerned about the liability of the state of Air- for Arizona, those shipping containers that we're putting on federal land, she said at the time. Quote, there's a picture of people climbing on top of them. I think that's a huge liability and risk, end quote. 
And, you know, that's a really a more subtle conversation, more subtle argument that they need to be worried about the liability that brings on to the Arizona state government. I think that's an interesting way to go about talking about it rather than just outright saying that she doesn't want a border wall. But, you know, at the end of the day, she's got to try to appeal to some moderates who maybe do want a border wall or want some sort of extra security at the border to ensure that certain populations aren't getting across. So she's got to be very politically delicate and tiptoe around this one. And I think she's done a okay job so far from the comments that I've read here and a few other ones that I saw on Twitter. All right, so let's move on to our second article. We're not moving on from this topic overall. We're still talking about immigration, but it takes a little bit of a different approach. This one comes from the Washington Examiner, the Cinema Tillis Immigration Farce. So the author begins with uh, a glib but true statement. Quote, there are three things that are certain in life. Death, taxes, and naive Republicans trying to trade an immigration amnesty for false promises of future board security. And the quote does go on, and I'll, I'll pause right there. Goodness gracious, the way they just try to cram all that into the back end of a sentence and make it seem clever naive Republicans trying to trade on amnesty for false promises of border security. I do agree in premise that you can't necessarily say that solutions now for future wins is necessarily a good tactic, but the author so outright and kind of smarmily, if that's the correct way to put it, downs this argument and really comes after Tillis here. And I'm like, that's not necessarily fair. At the end of the day, if he thinks that this is actually going to work, then he's trying to put in the effort to actually do something. What are you doing besides just calling him out? Are you there in the Senate lobbying for certain policies? Or are you just trying to call out the people in power? Which is still a noble pursuit, I'm not going to lie. But the way that the author becomes in guns blazing trying to take out Tillis very quickly you know it did frustrate me when I first read this I'll continue with the quote though Senator Tom Tillis Republican of North Carolina note that he does not actually live on the border so that's another interesting part to talk about his state it is not dealing with the same level of immigration that some of these other states are continued his time-honored tradition last week when congressional aides circulated a plan that would give citizenship to approximately 2 million illegal immigrants in exchange for what proponents of the deal have the audacity to call border security, end quote. So like I said, of course, there are some truths to the author's statements that the idea of trading certain changes in policy in the right now for favors in the future is is a little bit naive, even though it is done all the time in Washington. But this is no run-of-the-mill trade. And this is where I think the author could hone in on a little bit more and have a more nuanced discussion, or at least one that attacks it from a different angle. So even if that extra funding for the border was 10 times larger than what is being offered... In my opinion, it would not be enough to justify allowing amnesty for nearly 2 million illegal immigrants, even if they are under 18. So this, this bill that Cinema is putting forward is going to basically be a continuation of DACA. And the next quote will elaborate on this a little bit more. But it will try to give amnesty to a lot of the under 18 illegal immigrants. And 
I'm just going to say that Tillis, man, you, you should be asking for a lot more money if you're really thinking about doing it this way. Because two million, two million young voters who are likely to vote against your party, because you're a Republican in North Carolina, they fall into the the population that they're trying to give amnesty to falls into the two categories that vote Democrat, one more than the other, which is young people. Young people vote Democrat more heavily than any other segment of the population. And then, well, I guess you could say, I guess you could say that black voters still vote more overwhelmingly Democrat, but that's not true anymore. Those generalizations have fallen by the wayside. It's no longer a race game. You can no longer look at somebody's race and say, oh, they're definitely voting one way or another. You never really could before, but the assumption was always made. And now that illusion is kind of falling apart. So I guess even in my next statement, I was going to say uh, Hispanics or illegal immigrants tend to vote Democrat. Uh, you know, I guess that generalization, I should totally dismiss that because at the end of the day, that's not necessarily true anymore. We've seen a lot of families who have come in from these other countries, once they've become settled and they realized what illegal immigration does and how it affects their opportunities in the job market, just like any other American, they start to have a different perspective and they don't necessarily vote Democrat. But even then, we could definitely assume that this population, who is younger by nature, is going to vote for Democrats more often than they're going to vote for Republicans. That just holds true. As people get older, they generally become more conservative. They're less willing to see progressive changes to the system that has allowed them to thrive, and they want to keep it the same because, like I said, it's allowed them to thrive. If they've thrived during that time, why would they want to change the system? Why would they want all these new legislation all this new regulation, all these big changes that could possibly hurt their future or the future of their children. So over time, people become more conservative. So allowing amnesty for these 2 million under 18-year-olds who are going to come into an educational system that, for the most part, leans Democrat with all the teachers' unions and the amount of control they have, do you really want to give the opposite party 2 million more votes? And let's just say that it's not even that. Let's say three-fourths of them vote for Democrats? Do you really want to give the opposition uh, a million extra votes on top of your 500,000 if we're doing the math correctly there? So come on, come on. Tillis, it's a little bit naive. Quote, Tillis's punitive deal reportedly struck with Senator Christian Cinema of Arizona, independent of Arizona. Yes, she did switch here recently, which is probably a conversation we'll have on a different day, but bold move on her part. I respect it would create a path to citizenship for approximately 2 million immigrants who crossed the border illegally before their 18th birthday. Note that these two mil- this 2 million number is far higher than the 800,000 or so illegal immigrants who benefited from former President Barack Obama's 2012 Deferred Action for Children Arrivals program. The more than doubling of illegal immigrants being offered amnesty through this new program is no doubt due to the fact that Obama's DACA program did nothing to stop child immigrants from illegally crossing the border and appears to have made the problem significantly worse. In exchange for this massive amnesty, Tillis has reportedly been given $25 billion for beefing up border security including more pay for border agents and the creation of regional processing centers along the border and increased resources and personnel to accommodate arriving asylum seekers. 
And, you know, the end quote. And the author also argues that this extra funding would actually make it easier because they're building more regional processing centers and they're going to have more resources to process asylum seekers. It would actually give Biden more leeway and the ability to process more illegal immigrants and, quote, ship them out across the country, end quote. And, you know, I think that the author's being a little, little cynical and a little too fortune teller-ish for my liking, if I could put it that way. You know, I, I agree that we had to deal with this in the past and we've had to deal with Biden shipping certain people across the country on buses, on planes. But I think that this is the author saying, this is, oh, this is what could happen. They could do more of this when at the end of the day, they could also use those processing centers to send more people back, ensure that the proper asylum seekers are getting all the correct treatment they need while they're applying for asylum and then for have a place for them to stay before we say yay or nay to their asylum. So I think, though that is a possibility, the author says it like it is absolute fact, like that is exactly what's going to happen. There is no doubt that Biden will take advantage of it. And I think at the end of the day, that is his cynical side coming out and saying, no, 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 we can't do this. I know for a fact the Democrat, I know for a fact the Democrats are going to take advantage of this when he does not know. He has no idea. For all we know, in six months, Biden could totally pivot on immigration. Do I see it happening? No, but it's still possible. And with these extra resources at the border, maybe he takes a more harsh approach now that he can be humane in dealing with the immigrant crisis. We don't know. So the author pretending that he does know and has all the answers, I don't agree with. So I have one more quote that I want to pull from here. Quote, the U.S. has always welcomed a certain number of immigrants every year and should continue to do so. However, there are already over 10 million illegal immigrants in the U.S., and Biden has released millions more into the country. The immigration system is in need of reform, but that has to begin with border security. The public has no faith in officials who promise security later if they can only offer amnesty now until the border is demonstrated to be secure, any talk of granting legal status is premature, end quote. And, you know, I think that he brings up a good point here. We need to take this one step at a time. We need to address the root issue first, and then we can talk about the periphery issues, or sorry, the peripheral issues. So we'll see how this pans out. We'll see how these calls for reform actually end up happening, if they end up happening. And we'll have probably another conversation about it here in a few months when either this goes through or it doesn't. Because I don't see this issue being resolved anytime soon, even when a Republican gets in the office. It'll just get swept under the rug a little bit more. All right, so we're going to go to our last article. And this is one that I'm very happy to report on. You're not going to see cynical Alex or hear cynical Alex this time. You're not going to hear downer Alex who's constantly trying to call out or at least check some of the narratives and have an honest discussion about the people in media and politics. And, you know, one that you're going to have an Alex that's happy and excited and enthusiastic because this story comes from NBC News. Historic moon mission concludes with picture-perfect splashdown of Orion capsule into the Pacific. So this story really has me excited about our future, not only as a nation, but also as a species. So I'll start by saying sorry if I get a little too caught up in it and a little too energetic. 
quote, after a 26-day mission that took on a historic journey around the moon, NASA's next-generation Orion capsule has returned to Earth. The uncrewed spacecraft had a picture-perfect splashdown Sunday in the Pacific Ocean over San Diego at 12.40 p.m. Eastern Time, according to officials. The capsule's return marked the end of NASA's Artemis One test flight, the crucial first launch and expedition of the agency's new mega-rocket and space capsule for missions to the moon. NASA Administrator Bill Nelson said Sunday was a defining day, and that marks new technology, a whole new breed of astronaut, and a vision for the future, end quote. And for those of you listening, could you imagine stepping foot on the moon and looking back at this huge ball of rock, plasma, and water that we live on, that we call home? I know it's kind of a, a cliche, but imagine in your lifetime, in your lifetime, if you're younger, you could be there commercially. If you're a little bit older, you could be there because you're an expert uh, in engineering, in astrophysics, or even uh, like myself, maybe you're a business major and they're setting up some sort of business relations with Elon Musk on the moon and somehow a deal goes down and they say, do you want us to fly you up to the space center or the space base on the moon? And you could have an opportunity to go to the moon and look back on Earth. How is that not exciting? Now, is it likely to happen for everybody? No. Or is it going to be hard with some economic means? Is it going to be expensive to just go there as a tourist within our lifetime? Probably. But the possibility is still there. Don't limit yourselves. This is an amazing opportunity. The fact that we're returning to space is absolutely phenomenal. I've always wondered why we stopped funding the space program. And I do understand that for the most part, it was a way to defund the Soviets. It was just another front of the Cold War, essentially. And once we won and the Soviet Union collapsed, a lot of officials didn't see a point in staying and putting as much resources into space, except for maybe a few missions to the International Space Station to do certain tests, to do observation. But now that there's a commercial element to it, which, yes, maybe I am getting a bit cynical already, but now that there's a commercial element to it and there's resources that can be mined, there's still geopolitical implications to it, they're starting to care about space a little bit more. And there's also a segment of the population that just wants to be explorers again, especially in America. You know, we came to this continent and we explored the entire thing and though there were people here before us, of course, we it was still fresh to us. It was still new to us. We explored, we expanded, and that kind of sits in the American psyche as we're explorers. We're trying to find new frontiers. We're trying to be on the bleeding edge. We're creating new technologies. We're creating new innovations that will change the world. Why not use space as the, yes, I know I'm going to sound like a Trekhead here, but I'm you use space as the next frontier. It's another way to expand. It's another way to innovate. It's another way to push forward and be on the bleeding edge. And that's why some Americans are extremely excited about it, the, our return to space. So, you know, it really sits deep in the American psyche that we need to constantly be exploring, not necessarily expanding, but we need to constantly be pushing the boundary. And that's why you see certain people who came to America, like Elon Musk, who love that dream of constantly getting better, going to space, or Jeff Bezos. Even though I don't necessarily love Amazon, I've had conversations about it before. I think they can be a little bit cruel. I think Bezos is 
a interesting man who may become our future president or dictator. Just kind of being jokey there. But at the end of the day, that idea that space is the next frontier, that there's opportunities there, whether it be tourism, whether it be for shipping different things across the world, so on and so forth. Bezos sees the curiosity that America, that the world has with space, and he's willing to push that frontier because of it. So I think that we're in a next generation of great exploration when it comes to space. And this Artemis mission, the fact that the government is willing to put so much money into developing uh, a new space program to put a base on the moon, you know, and NASA's really pushing hard for it. I think that that is a huge leap forward, and I absolutely love it. So when I hear stories like this, I get caught up. I The little kid in me comes out again who looked up at the stars and said, oh, that's a beautiful place. Maybe someday we'll understand it better. So, you know, though... I may come off as cynical and sometimes a bit disillusioned with what's happening here on Earth. I think that this is really a chance to look past all of that. And of course, with time, politics will transcend space as well. But right now, right now, in, it is pure wonderment. It's pure exploration. It's pure opportunity. Quote, a new day has dawned. And Artemis' generation is taking us there, Nelson said. Throughout this week's-long mission, the Orion capsule beamed back stunning photos and videos of the lunar surface, with, along with dramatic selfies showing the spacecraft and the moon with Earth visible in the background, end quote. And if you haven't seen this photo, it is, it is an amazing photo. I sent it to uh, uh, gr- my girlfriend almost immediately when I saw it. It is absolutely, absolutely stunning. And to be honest, if you have the opportunity to find it online, just Google it really quickly. Orion one uh, selfie photo moon Earth probably is all you need to put in. It'll show you. So I'll, I'll give you a brief description if you can't Google it, though. In the photo, you can see the lunar surface, one part as dark and as black as space itself, and the other exposed to light from millions of miles away with a small crescent Earth as if it were in an eclipse. And trust me, this description does not do it justice whatsoever. And yes, I did get a little ASMR there really quickly, but I, I think that it's, uh, it's stunning, and I absolutely love it. And it really shows, it gives you a perspective as to how small we are in this vast universe. And I'll give you one last quote to end, and then we'll move on to our daily delight. Quote, NASA has touted the Artemis test one test flight as laying the foundation for returning U.S. astronauts to the moon. It is also the first key step for space exploration to Mars. Artemis 1 was designed to test the Orion capsule and the huge space launch rocket system that carried it into orbit. The 322-foot-tall booster is more powerful than the retired Saturn V rockets that NASA used to send astronauts to the moon more than 50 years ago during its iconic Apollo program. End quote. All right, with all that positive and negative stuff out of the way, let's get to our daily delight. And if you're not already beaming with excitement from our trip to the moon, then hopefully this story will leave you feeling good and happy. This one comes from the animal rescue site. Little kitten snuggles a big, fluffy, sleeping dog. So have you ever pictured yourself snuggled up in a fluffy coat of fur being completely engulfed? Well... 
Quote, a tiny British short-haired kitten named Nelson tiptoed up to a sleeping Samoan named Miko and snuggled luxuriously against the dog's fluffy white fur, end quote. And even though Miko was napping, he didn't let Nelson's antics bother him. Quote, Miko refused to let an active kitten interrupt his nap and barely opened his eyes, even when Nelson flopped down next to his face, end quote. If you want to see any of the cute videos or any of the photos from the NASA article or read any of today's articles, they will be in the description, linked in the description below that like and subscribe button. Also down there is the Twitter handle at your daily flip. Try to post. I try to post something daily, quote, tweet, commentary, just a simpler way to keep you guys informed of current things that are going on. And on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I also post the link to the podcast so you can get it from there rather than going having to go directly to YouTube. All right, with all that said, there's only one more thing to say. Stay safe. Don't die.